Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome. It's episode 116 of We Are Going Up. The weather might still be causing chaos, but it's not put us off. We're here as ever. I'm Mark Crossley and alongside me, a man who I'm sure would much rather be watching Prince at Shepherd's Bush Empire tonight than doing this podcast. It's David Cameron Walker. Hello. You've not much to get uh, to I'm still miserable. I didn't go yesterday. Favourite Prince tune? Oh, Christ. Um... It changes all the time. One currently that is in favour with me is Strange Relationship from Sign of the Times. Okay, Karma Queen is also here. Hello, mate. Have you got a favourite Prince record? Yeah, I can't say I'm that much of a connoisseur of Prince, so I'd have to go for something like, you know, Raspberry Beret or Purple Rain. Some of the obvious ones. Well, here's here's one of my tweets of the week, actually. I spotted this unnamed insider on Twitter. tweeted, I paid £20 to see Prince, but I parted like it was 1999. Brilliant. Get it? He's not going to laugh, is he? Look at him. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be here. <laughs> be here. Um, well, in fact, you're pretty much sick of football, aren't you? I can tell just because of that late equaliser on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I am. You're done with Roll it. Roll on, Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go any further, you've got 50 minutes more of that. A quick reminder that thanks to our friends Audible, you can still get your ears around a free audiobook of your choice. If you're a brand new listener, you've just found us. Um, firstly, thank you very much. Spread the word. Secondly, you can get a free one-month trial and a free audiobook of your choosing right now with up to 100,000 to pick from. So that's gone up 20,000 all of a sudden in the last couple of months. Uh, audible.co.uk slash going up uh, right now is where you need to go. That's audible.co.uk slash going up. Thank you for all the comments about the recruitment special last week. Uh, later today, we're going to be reviewing the weekend's action, uh, reflecting on Sheffield United's Cup exploits, plus naming and shaming the Football League side who haven't scored at home in seven and a half hours. Uh, David Bream from the Burton Mail is also going to come on and tell us about a big win for the Brewers at Morecambe on Saturday. They won by one goal to nine. Nil, thanks to uh, a strike from uh, Young Wolves' Loney Zelly Ishmael. And they now sit just one point off the automatic promotion places. First, though, we are going to begin in the Championship this week. Manchester United Loney Federico Makeda scored twice as Birmingham City won 2-0 at Charlton on Saturday to lift themselves nine points clear of the relegation zone. It's fair to say it's been a difficult couple of years for Lee Clark at St Andrews so far. Problems both on and off the field. Uh, this week, it was confirmed that the club's troubled owner, Carson Young, has said all official command of the Blues and their parent company and now trading again. But what does that actually mean for the fans? And is the future actually any brighter at all? Let's speak to a man who uh, should be able to shed some light on this for us. Ian Danter is a big Birmingham fan and uh, extremely recognisable, I'm sure, to you as a commentator and presenter on TalkSport. In fact, his website claims... I don't know if you're going to dispute this, DC, that he's the only presenter in the station's history to have worked in every single time slot around the 24-hour clock. I think the only show that he hasn't done is the, the fishing show, Fishing okay. Blues. <laughs> and I, I still think he could do it. Brilliant. Well, to, just to f- finish off the set, surely. You can catch uh, Dance every single Saturday on Football First in the evening from 9 o'clock. And um, Ian, I believe we had you on the show during our debut season a few years ago. Now, a lot has changed at Birmingham since then. Let's start with the uh, on-the-field stuff first, how big a win was that at Charlton on Saturday? Well, it's indicative of how well, actually, Birmingham have been playing away from home in extremis because with the the, the ragtag squad of players that, that Lee Clark has at his disposal, and by that I mean the Freeze, the Loans, the Bosmans, the the unwanted, the unloved, it seems, that he's had, for a, he's had to deal with for a couple of seasons now. He does seem to be able to fashion a, a, a team that can compete uh, and isn't just going to get sucked through the divisions like some clubs have in the past. Uh, he's, he's working an almighty oracle, really, with, with the, the tools he's been handed. He has clearly got very good relations with the, some of the clubs he's getting loans from. Manchester United is a case in point. 
you think of Tyler Blackett and Tom Thorpe and now Federico Makeda coming in. We've already had Jesse Lingard come from Old Trafford this year. It's just the home form that's been a, a slight problem. We haven't won at home since October. And we just don't seem to be able to find a way to break teams down in front of our own. But away from home, the, the, the Charlton win was, was one of many very pleasing and promising results on the road. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for me tomorrow night then. But Dan, so what, looking at the stuff away from, from the pitch, which is far more complicated and, and worrying times for Birmingham fans over the last few years, uh, the chairman, Peter Panu, has claimed that he thinks the club have, have got a bright future now. Uh, now that there appears to have been some sort of uh, resolution with Carson Young. But, I mean, can you try and distill down the events of the most recent events and also the kind of timeline of events over the last few years for people to, who are quite not quite up to speed with the goings-on at Birmingham City? Well, Carson Young, who up until recently was uh, you know, on, on the board at both Birmingham International Holdings, the, the company that effectively owns Birmingham City, and he was also until recently on the board at Birmingham, owns 26% of the club's shares. He's been up on trial in Hong Kong in the Far East on charges of alleged money laundering. That trial has been going on for well over a year. There's been lots of delays and uh, lots of suspensions and lots of red tape surrounding it. But finally, a verdict is due to be delivered on the 28th of this month. Now, what happened was in the last week or so, Carson Young resigned his position from both Birmingham International Holdings and Birmingham City Football Club, and that was in order that the holding company would be able to relist shares in Birmingham City back on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, because whilst Carson Young is in uh, in court, then that sort of precluded uh, shares from being listed. And similarly, if he is found guilty of these charges, then he would immediately not pass the fit and proper persons test as far as the Football League is concerned, and he would therefore have had to relinquish his position. So it's almost as if he's sort of taken the wind out of the sails. But that doesn't mean that he no longer has a controlling interest in Birmingham City because he still owns the shares, nor does it mean that he doesn't have an influence at the club anymore because the people that are kind of taking his place are, in some cases, uh, in-law relatives, in some cases, friends... Nothing has really changed. Plus ça change, plus ça la même chose is the phrase. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And for Peter Panu to say that the club faces a bright future after a period of two years now where he has presided over the fire sale to end all fire sales, where the family silver has been sold off piece by miserable piece at cheap knock down prices in my opinion in most cases then for him to say that the club has a bright future is frankly laughable are you perhaps surprised that lee clark has stayed on actually and i mean i, I look um, just at the uh, the list of uh, football managers in the football league at the moment and he is actually the fourth longest serving in the championship perhaps bizarrely but you know, his hands have been tied a little bit with transfers you talked already about the amount of low knees he's brought in he talks about frustrations so are you pleasantly surprised that Lee Clark's decided to see it out. Well, he's a man of principle to a degree. I also think he has a point to prove. Uh, he was accused of having too much money to spend at Huddersfield. Uh, <laughs> On the, this the, podcast quite a lot, I think. <laughs> the, the previous, well, in relative terms. Um, and, and of course, in this job, he's, he's got no money to spend. So uh, I think he's trying to, to prove a point that he can effectively manage a club no matter what the, uh, the financial... Uh, constraints or non-constraints being placed upon him. Uh, why is he still there? I, I think it's just a, ma- a matter of pride and personal principle. I, I've no idea whether any any jobs have come up in, in, in the interim period, particularly recently, that have piqued his interest, but he's made no indication of that. I think he feels a debt to the supporters and to those day-to-day staff that run the club, you know, those in the commercial department, uh, people like that, there's, there's a debt of gratitude he owes to them, I think, to just keep the club on an even keel. If he, if he were to go, who, who on earth would want to take that job and everything that goes with it, particularly in the state of flux that it's in? I think he understands that, and as a man of principle, I think, well, he's probably thinking, right, let's be fair, let's not make it even worse for the club than it already is. It needs some form of continuity, and that form of continuity has to be me. 
Absolutely right. I think it was pretty much the only form of continuity at the club. I mean, what's the what's kind of the the end game here? If there, if you even you know can think of such a thing. Obviously, having been in this kind of flux for so long, we. What hopes do Birmingham City fans have of their one day, hopefully sooner rather than later, of a decent owner owning this club and, and be giving you a platform to move forward? Well, it was about a year ago that the, 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 the rumours started building that Gianni Palladini wants to quit Spartan Rangers. Yeah, a decent owner. Was, <laughs> yeah, was uh, significantly interested in in buying the club and. Uh, I was told he'd done due diligence. Uh, he, you know, he'd been showing the books, but there then ensued a series of childish public spats between him and Peter Panu, uh, and it became clear that Peter Panu simply did not want to deal with Gianni Palladini. And no matter how close Palladini felt he was getting, or felt he ever got to making an offer that would be accepted, it's clear there's an amount that Carson Young wants and uh, Gianni Palladini wasn't prepared to, to make it. And I think it's around about £32 million, uh, supposedly, that is the the asking price, bearing in mind that Carson Young paid, stupidly, in my opinion, £81 million to buy it from David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady. Now, I love my club. I love Birmingham City with all my heart. But in no way were we worth £81 million pounds at the time of sale. We were a, a club that had just got back into the Premier League, didn't necessarily have ourselves established at that time as a Premier League club. We sort of flitted between the two divisions over the last decade. We were not a club worth that amount of money. So, unfortunately, because of that stupidly high price that they're paid, they're looking for an equally stupidly high price to sell it, despite having sold Nathan Redmond, Jack Budland, Curtis Davis... And the list goes on. So Peter Panu seems to be the opinion that the, that the club is a going concern with him at the helm and new directors and, and new shareholders at the helm. And, and the fans, well, what I'll tell, tell you what actually happens is, boys, is because there's so little information that comes from the Far East and all the information is drip, 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 drip fed. What happens is, Supporters turn on anybody they, they feel isn't giving them all the facts. They feel that uh, local journalists aren't giving them all the facts, and so they're given both barrels. I cannot think of a more misguided way of directing your anger than to those who are trying their damnedest to find that information, can't get any, report that, and then are, are slagged off by, by certain very small but unfortunately very vocal sections of the club support who are just looking for a scapegoat uh, as well, you know, because they can't touch the owners. They, they can't get stuck into them. So does, other does that include it. the manager as well with some no, fans? No, no, no. And, well, there was... Well, not now. There was a time early in his spell at, at Birmingham. It was September of 2000... Let me get this right. 2012, when they'd lost at Coventry in the League Cup in, in, in September, and it was a really poor performance and result. And, and there were a few people saying, well, has he, is, he, is he made of the right stuff? You know, it was early in his career. Uh, and there has been a, a, a little undercurrent of Clark out during his time at the club. But the, 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 the good away form and the fact that he clearly cares about winning games of football, and it clearly really irks him when Birmingham lose, I think that's endeared him or won over a, a, a section of the support that were a bit ambivalent towards him. I note as well, looking at the uh, the gate figures, um, 19,000 two years ago, now down to 15,000 for this season. So as you mentioned, fans perhaps inevitably obviously getting relegated from Premier League are turning away from the club and, and the home form is pretty much diabolical <laughs> this season. So the fans haven't got a great deal to be cheering about. So this They've news... started to make their voices heard from the terraces mm. in terms of banners mm. you know, wanting uh, the owners. Made in Birmingham, destroyed in Hong Kong. was Yeah, uh, and delay no more everywhere. is their, their hashtag motto, which if you translate it into, um, into, into the owner's language, apparently is quite a vulgar insult. <laughs> um, and that's presumably... Very intelligent exactly fans the, as well. But absolutely. Presumably that's exactly the reason why this was this particular phrase was concocted. Uh, but the, the Blues Trust, 
who are a, a supporters organisation who do an absolutely fantastic job. They set up the, these banners. They are, uh, and they're, they're quite happy to, you know, make public notice that they are a non-violent organisation. They don't want any uh, xenophobia or racism or anything to be associated with their dislike of how their club's being run. They simply want change. And they're the ones that have made these banners, the one you've mentioned, made in Birmingham, destroyed in Hong Kong, and the Delay No More banners, which they're now starting to fly at away games. They did that at the Valley on Saturday, and they started at St Andrews the game before. Uh, and it's, it's finally a more concerted way of putting their point across to the owners and showing their displeasure. Up until this point, it's all been a little bit splintered and, and not really that focused in terms of a protest. But you have to give huge credit to the Blues Trust and those behind it who've put these protests together. It's peaceful, it's non-violent, but you know, it's getting noticed and uh, the Nationals are picking up on it too as well as the local press and that can only be a good thing for the Blues Trust. And all of that that we've just spoken about really just emphasises how difficult it must be for, for Lee Clark and, and, and his staff on, on the on the footballing side of things to, you know, to plan long term, even to plan, you know, not, not long term, even medium term, just well, to, just the next season. You can't with lone players left, right and centre. Yeah. We, we, if you think back to a month ago, suddenly... Clark had a huge amount of decisions to make because he lost two of his centre-halves. Kyle Bartley and Dan Byrne were recalled by their parent clubs. And Paul Robinson, who's been playing at centre-half, of course we all remember him you know, going through time at clubs like Bolton as a left-back, but he was suspended. And suddenly... Birmingham didn't have surprise, surprise. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> a fit pair of centre-halves to call upon. You know, Hayden Mullins was asked to play at centre-half. Will Packwood, the young American kid, only just back from a, a, a broken leg, was thrust back into service, probably a little bit ahead of schedule. And this is what the, the problem is when you're relying on loan signings for the spine of your team. Jesse Lingard scored four goals on his debut went back to Manchester United because David Moyes felt he needed him and, and didn't particularly want to let him go again. It just so happens that we've managed to get Federico Makeda, who scored three and two from Manchester United, stroke of luck. But, you know, that's the, the lottery of the loan system. Uh, and you can't, as you say, you can't even build to medium term as a club when you're relying on the loan players mixing with Academy graduates like Callum Riley, Mitch Hancock, Ollie Lee, players like these who are getting far more pitch time. And I wonder if Fode Nabe is wondering whether he should have stayed at St Andrews. The young kid that went to Fulham, there was a bit of a hoo-ha over Fulham sort of nicking him off, off Birmingham. He's gone to Fulham, barely had a kick. If he was still at St Andrews, he'd be playing now. He'd be getting first-team football. And lots of good things were being said about him a year ago. So... A lot of these young players are getting far more pitch time as Birmingham players than they would normally be. That's a good and a bad thing. They're getting experience, they're getting their, their hands dirty, but you don't want them to get you know, out-muscled week after week and therefore become disillusioned. You, know, you kind of want to drip-feed the odd one here and there into a side, not three or four or even five, as Lee Clark's had to do. Are you perhaps pleasantly surprised over Nikola Zigic, for example, Chris Burke, Peter Lovenkranz, who have got a lot of experience, OK, that getting on a bit in the likes of Lovenkranz and what have you, but pleasantly surprised they've decided to stay on? Yes, or... well, I think some of them are settled in the area. You can only hope that that's one good thing. Uh, I'd be settled in the area if I was Nikola Zigic on £70,000 a week. <laughs> I'd be settled anywhere that gave me £70,000 a I week. Mean, how long that contract go on for? Until the end of this season. He's OK, well, he'll be gone in the summer then, won't he? Oh, without question, you know, and, and it's a question of what he, what he does next. But Lee Clark has not been using him of late. And, and I think the point was made, I forget who made it, but if you've seen our second goal at Charlton on Saturday yeah. where Tom Adeyemi makes a terrific run mm. through the centre of midfield, and suddenly Makeda sees what's going on and makes a terrific sprint 20 yards to his left to ask for the ball. Nikola Zigic, if he'd been in Makeda's position, simply wouldn't, well, he wouldn't have got there. He wouldn't have had the urgency, the speed, to, to make that run and make that option available to Adeyemi. Now, I don't have a problem with Nikola Zigic per se. It's not his fault that he was signed on a contract with that relegation clause. Uh, for, in terms of his wages, but put it in when when the, the club needs you most as a most experienced player. For goodness' sake, 
put it in, show a bit of heart and desire. You scored in a League Cup final for us, for goodness sake. Now, Lee Clark's already had one bust-up with Nikola Zigic last season. Said he put in the worst training session of any player he's ever seen in his time. Now, this year, he's, it's, he's been a little less uh, vocal in terms of his... Um, reasons for dropping Nikola Zigic and I think he, he feels he still has a role to play but whilst he's at the club for these last few months I do hope that Nikola Zigic can uh, inspire the way you're talking about as a senior player because there's no doubt that Chris Burke does and he's on the dance site less money Chris Burke is one of those I was scared we were going to lose in this window Love and Crouch to a degree yeah I, I'd go along with that but Burke is certainly the one remaining uh, asset that I was quite scared we were going to lose. And the fact that he didn't go anywhere in the window is a source of great pleasure to most Blues fans. Dan, just looking ahead to, to the rest of February, reason for optimism, really, I think, given your result on Saturday. You've got Huddersfield at home next weekend. Uh, and then the weekend after that, you're away at Blackpool. But then tomorrow night, we record this on, on Monday evening, you are away at my beloved Watford. And we have really struggled at home this season. So there's three I games know. there. Will you be uh, optimistic of picking up a good good tally of points? Maybe. Um, I've watched Watford a few times for, for, for Talk Sports. You know, Dave, the, the last time I was there was the, um, the Bolton result, which was just this classic case of a team that looks terrific in the, the first two-thirds of the field but just can't find a, a cutting edge. However... He had a 2-0 lead at Leicester, and I'm sure your manager will be looking to take the positives out of the fact that Murray and Forestieri you know, had you two goals to the good at the runaway league leaders. So we'll have to be careful of that as a, uh, you know, from, from, from our perspective, but surely the, 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 um, the lads will be buoyed by the performance and the result at Charlton on Saturday. And I think there's many a Birmingham City reporter, Dave, who well, I can't think how many times they've used uh, the words save great Randolph and Darren in the same sentence <laughs> because he has been a, a really excellent signing from, from the SPL as our goalkeeper. And if we're going to stand any chance, as we in, in any game, he's going to have to pull out some, some great saves because he's often asked to do that. You know, the inexperience of our players sometimes shows through and sometimes leaves us a little vulnerable. And that's where Randolph can, can come in. I mean, I, I have no expectation whatsoever for the remainder of this season. I will be happy merely for us to survive. With all the crap, if you'll forgive the word, that, that's gone on, I will be deliriously happy that we stave off relegation and please, somehow, something happens in the close season where ownership issues are resolved a little bit more money is made available to Lee Clark if we to assume that he stays his manager. And we can start next season looking a little more competitive, looking a little more structured. Because at the moment, it's not looking structured at all. Or at least Lee Clark can only work with what he's been given. Yeah, you certainly you do certainly need something to, to lift the spirits, that's for sure. But all you've got to do tomorrow night is just give us the first two goals and then you'll return with some points. <laughs> no, <problem. laughs> no chance. Thanks very much for coming on, Dance. We appreciate it. Great no to problem, talk to you. Gents, really that is uh, TalkSport's very own Ian Dante. You can catch him back on air this weekend on Football First on Saturday night. Next, let's switch our attention to the top of League Two, where the Brewers are causing a bit of a stir. We're off to the Pirelli. So, Burton Albion's 1-0 win at Morecambe on Saturday was their 13th clean sheet in their last 22 games. It means Gary Rowett's side are now just one point off the automatic promotion places with only 17 games remaining. So, can they top last year's playoff finish and clinch automatic promotion to the third tier for what will be the first time in their history? Well, let's talk to a man who covers Burton week in, week out for the Burton Mail. It's David Broom. I'm pleased to say that David is on the line right now. David, uh, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, let's talk if we can um, to start with about Saturday's game at Morecambe a first one in five secured by a goal from Zeli Ishmael I'm sure we're going to talk about a bit more in a second was it a deserved three points on Saturday? Yeah I would say it was I mean when you see the result 1-0 away from home the reasonably late goal you might think that it's a bit of a snatch and grab but really they dominated the game throughout they had the better chances and more chances uh, and they did what they've done quite often on the road this season and um, saw out a 1-0 win 
Yeah, you have kept a, a lot of clean sheets this season, which to me looks like a, a bit of a, a difference from, from last year. I remember seeing the team week in, week out. You had the likes of Calvin Zola, Jax McHome, who were banging the goals in uh, and seemed to be a very attacking force last year. So has there been a real um, definite, you know, is that an intentional change of philosophy? I think it, I think it was from um, Gary Rowett. Um, because, it, like you say, it has been a bit of a sea change uh, last season to this season. Last season they were, you know, getting score lines like 7-6 and 5-4 and things like that, whereas there's been a lot of 1-0s this season. But on the other hand, they're, they're a lot more consistent this season. Uh, they haven't got flair players like Magoma and Sola, who you mentioned. They've, they've gone on to pastures new. And the players they brought in, uh, a bit more reliable, I think. Um, you won't get won't get the same type of goals, but you won't concede as many either. So. Well, I noticed it, to go as far as last season, you conceded more goals than both Barnet and Aldershot, who of course got <laughs> relegated, which is quite something. Um, yeah. But also, I, I love the stats, and out, out of your 14 victories, nine have been 1-0 uh, for Burden this season. So it is certainly a, a certain sea change to it. Are you perhaps surprised that they are still managing to arguably punch above their weight still, Burton? Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't say they're punching above their weight. I think they are actually quite entertaining to watch. They, in most games, they create a lot of chances. Uh, they just don't put many away. They don't have someone like Zola or Magoma this season who's who will score sort of every other game um, or something like that. So I think perhaps they they should be higher in the table than they are. If anything, um, their away form has been fantastic. You know, there's. Not, nothing much they could do to improve that. Their home form has let them down a bit, and I think if they picked up a few wins instead of draws or draws instead of defeats at home, they could be topping the table at this point. What about uh, Gary Alexander then, who's come in from Crawley? I'm quite surprised that Crawley let him go. I'm not quite sure how much he's played for them this season, but he could surely be uh, a striker that could score the goals that could get Burton into those top three spots. Well, I, I would guess that's what they're hoping. They, they brought in a player of, of that mould at the start over the summer, uh, Rene Howe. Um, he scored two goals. Who I tip to be top scorer in League Two on this show this season. <laughs> <laughs> well, after his first two games, that would have been a good shout because he got two in his first two games and then didn't score another goal. Um, got frozen out of the team. Uh, Sounds like a prediction of mine. <laughs> uh, literally wasn't even making the bench for, I think, eight games. I think he didn't even make the bench. Why was that then? I think he just fell out of favour. Um, the... The preferred pairing was um, Adam McGurk and Billy Key. They went through a real purple patch together where one of them was scoring most weeks. And I think maybe Howe wasn't doing enough to get himself back in the team after he dropped out. He did come back in to, sort of over Christmas, like back onto the bench, and then he got a few starts when there was injuries. But I think when uh, the chance came to for him to move on, they thought they cut their losses, basically. Uh, they brought in Alexander. He was, yeah, like I said, a similar sort of player. Um, we've not seen too much of him yet, but hopefully, I think they just needed another option because after Key and McGurk, uh, with Michael Symes injured at the moment, and the, the only other striker they had was a, a youngster called Dominic Knowles. Um, so I think that basically they needed bodies really rather than bringing someone in who's necessarily going to be a starter every week. Tell me a bit about uh, McGurk because signing from Tranmere, less heralded signing perhaps than than Rennie Howe, but he seems to have done very well. Nine goals in the league. Yeah, but I mean, when he signed, Gary Rowett said that, that they, it was a real coup for Burton uh, to get him because there was championship clubs. I think he had actually had sort of discussed um, like a deal with two championship clubs, but it fell down due to money um, and came to Burton maybe to put himself in the shop window for this summer. Um, and has done really well. He started on the right wing when Howe was playing, but then has, has moved up front and become first choice, really. On, on, on Saturday, when they decided to bring Alexander into the starting lineup, it was uh, Billy Key who dropped out rather than McGurk, so it shows that he's sort of first choice there. He is the one player on the pitch who's got that touch of class about him. It, you know, you can tell that he, he has and could play at a higher level. And what of Gary Rowett? He's been there for a, a while now, not only as manager, but assistance beforehand just how good is he doing what sort of budget has he got to play with uh, you know what sort of backroom staff has he got to, to mean he's doing such a good job uh, we, uh, when, he, when he was first appointed I think some people thought that he might uh, when he sorry, sorry when he came in um, after Nigel Clough left as assistant to Paul Pesky Salido I think a lot of people thought that he should have been the manager really um, and he, he got his chance after Pesky Salido left and really, he, had, he hadn't, didn't change the backroom staff too much. Brought in Kevin Summerfield, who's 
is the system manager. And in terms of the budget, uh, really, I wouldn't say Burton's run on a shoestring or anything like that, but they run very sensibly. The chairman, uh, Ben Robinson, who's been there years, he was there all during um, Nigel Clough's reign, is, is a very, you know, a very astute chairman, um, very nice guy, but would never let the club suffer by, by spending more than they could, if you see what I mean. He would, he would never want them to, to overreach uh, and end up doing something like Leeds or, or Portsmouth or something like that. Now, um, this is quite interesting. A year ago, on the 11th of February 2013, we did a podcast called Positives at the Pirelli. Um, and this show is going to come out on the 11th of February 2014. <laughs> and we spoke last year to Andy Taylor from the Burton Albion Community Trust. Right. And um, Andy talked about sort of we're looking forward to the last few months of the season and what chance have Burton got of uh, going on and getting promoted. Obviously, they're finishing the playoffs and lost to Bradford in the semi-final. It is so congested at the top of that division. Do you still give Burton as much chance of any as any of those other sides around them of going up automatically? I would say so, definitely. Uh, I mean, we, uh, we must have seen every uh, Burton play every team so far. And aside from one or two, I would, I would say literally only one or two games have they been outclassed. Um, I mean, obviously they've lost more than that, but quite a few of those. Uh, they had a run where I think f- something like five weeks out of seven, they had a player sent off, like stupid sendings off. I mean, justified. You know, the, the referee's decisions were right, but it was just players doing something stupid. And that, that cost them a lot of points. Um, that was sort of around September, October time. And apart from those games, there's only been, like I say, one or two where they've been outclassed. And, you know, whether they managed to clinch one of the top three spots or have to go through the playoffs, I would certainly back them this this season, possibly more than last season. I, I think if they got into the playoffs, they would have a great chance of, of seeing that through this time. Whereas obviously last time they, they got the result at Bradford, but then couldn't hold on to it in the return leg. I, I couldn't see them doing something like that this season. And tell us a bit about the uh, uh, the player that scored the winner at the weekend, Zeli Ismaili, uh, Albanian-born, uh, but, but English uh, by nationality, uh, on loan from Wolves, uh, a very promising start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, he's, I think he's played five games and he's got three assists and one goal so far. And only uh, one of those games has been a start. So, uh, sorry, two of those games have been starts and three off the bench. But yeah, he still he still managed to create or, or score four goals. Um, and he, he just looks like a, a real talent every time he comes on. Um, you know, he takes players down the wing and crosses or he cuts inside and like he did on Saturday and scores an absolute screamer. And I think he, he can... He can when he started, he's, he's looked really dangerous, but sort of fades in the second half of games. Whereas when he comes off the bench, he just gives them a completely different dimension. He scares the, scares the life out of uh, full-backs, uh, and he's just really exciting to watch. I don't know if you know the thing about him, that he was um, his coach at the time when he was at Wolves said that, predicted that he was going to be the first um, £100 million player. <laughs> And um, I don't think either Ishmael or whoever was the Wolves manager at the time was very happy that this coach said that because they said it put a lot of pressure on him. Mm. Um, when was that said? Do you know? Is it recently? I think uh, I think it was a couple of seasons ago. It was the, the guy who said it is actually now a coach at Derby County. It's a guy. Uh, he's called Chris Evans, um, but not not the famous Chris Evans or mm. <laughs> the other famous Chris Evans. Um, uh, yeah, he said that. So he was obviously moved on from Wolves. <laughs> Whether it was because he said that or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, that sort of hung around his neck for a bit. And, you know, I would, I would never say that put him in that sort of category, but he's certainly a very exciting player and um, could definitely play at a higher level than, than he's at now. Uh, and the, the burning question that I've been dying to ask is uh, relating to uh, another one of uh, our bets that we all put on at the start of the season. <laughs> I also have Rennie Howe as well, actually. Did you? Yeah. All oh, right, I don't remember that. <laughs> However, I also, which I, I said it was a bargain at the time, and it's looking ever more so, I got Burton in the League 2 handicap to, as long as they finish within 18 points of the top team, I'll get about 100 quid, and they're currently <laughs> only five points off, so I'm looking <laughs> looking good for a winner at the moment. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't cash out with that one. Thanks very much for coming on, David. Good no to problem. talk to you. Much appreciate That is uh, David Bream, uh, sports reporter for the Burton Mail. Next on the show, then, uh, let's do my club, the bit of the show where we uh, give Football League fans 125 seconds to tell us all about their side as we celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League, and today we are focusing on Pompey. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Harry Davis and my club are Portsmouth. So Harry, do you remember your first ever visit to Fratton Park? I do, yeah. It was a, a cold uh, winter's day at Fratton Park. It was Gillingham we played at home in 2003, I think it was, um, in the FA Cup. And I remember Yukubu getting the goal with a header from the back post. And from then on, I was just in love. 
Well, with your Kubi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your Kubi. He's a brilliant man. <laughs> is he your favourite player of all time? Uh, if not, who is? Uh, my favourite player of all time. It has to be David James, just for his solidarity at the back and the way he just commanded the team throughout the, the entire time he was there. Oh, and what about the best moment? You've had a few bad ones in recent times. What about the best moment? Well, we've had a few good moments as well. Um, mm-hmm. We had, obviously, the FA Cup win in 2008. We had the um, visit of AC Milan to Fratton Park and the 2010 Cup final, as well as buying our club recently. Um, out of all those, it'll probably have to be buying our club and the fact that a lot of fans have got out of their way to put money in. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic to see. Now, Harry, you've had quite a number of infamous signings over the last uh, <laughs> yeah. re- recent recent times. Well, what would you say, or who would you say, rather, is the worst one of the lot? Oh, wow. The worst signing. It would probably have to be for me, Andros Buzaki. We got him from QPR back in the uh, days of Michael Appleton, and he was tipped to be sort of Pompey's version of Pele. And he played about <laughs> that four, is a real... four games and disappeared. Yeah. Manager-wise as well, there's been a couple of uh, strange appointments, hasn't there? There has, yeah. Michael Appleton, I said earlier, sort of came out of nowhere from um, West Brom's coaching academy. Um, we've had everybody and anybody really from the football league at the moment was... We're with Richie Barker, who's been around sort of the lower leagues, and he knows what he's doing. I think I'm a, I'm a big fan of Velimir Zajic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what are your hopes with Richie Barker? You know, it's not been a great season. A lot of people tipped you to go up, according to the bookies. What do you think he can do for the rest of the season and next year? I think for the rest of this season, it's all about stability and staying up this year, and hopefully clambering for sort of a mid-table finish. Basically, getting the best out of the players this year and training them for next season, bringing in a couple of fresh faces as well. A lot of free transfers will hopefully be available in the summer. So hopefully, if we can bring some of them in and hopefully push for sort of a playoff place next season, that'd be great. Harry, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. That's all right. No worries. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the football league covered. We will have another edition of My Club as ever on the show next week. Right now, let's take a look back at the weekend's action in the Football League. Only five games postponed, actually, which is a little bit of a miracle. So, uh, well done to all the groundsmen everywhere who managed to get so many games on. Uh, we'll start at the top of the Championship on Saturday. Uh, Leicester 2, Watford 2. Leicester couldn't make it 10 straight wins, but they did preserve that 11 match from beating League Run uh, thanks to goals from Matty James. And then Danny Drinkwater in injury time. Uh, but for, um, for your boys, uh, Dave, that is a third success away game that you've been tuning up and you haven't won any of them yeah an all too familiar situation really and and I'm currently embroiled in a bit, you, of, a, bit of a Twitter spat a, with a someone Twitter spat with a Leicester City fan because earlier on is I, that why Jim's not here today <laughs> <laughs> not Jim no uh, Jim's actually well he actually did try and get involved but um, uh, you know everyone's been going on about how great the equaliser was from Danny Drinkwater in the last minute and absolutely what a fantastic finish yeah, great hit on the half volley into the top corner. Very little Manuel Almunia could have done about it. But it's sort of one of those situations where fans and managers and pundits will go, well, you know, you've got to hold your hands up sometimes in football when there's a great strike. There's nothing, there is something you can do about it. You can defend properly and stop him from having the shot. You know, we defended pretty well for, for, for the whole of the game. But right in the very last minute, we're being pinned back in our own half and we're playing like a back eight. Cashbush Schmeichel's got like the ball. All over again. got the ball on the halfway line. He's basically in 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 our half, and our, our three midfielders just completely drop off. No, and Drinkwater's got this the space and time to bring it down and shoot. If one of them presses him, he doesn't have the chance to put it in the top. No, court. the person the person you're having the Twitter spat with says that you're making a substitution at this point, and yeah, he's well, used that as defence. He's not the person I'm having right, okay. the, that has that was mentioned, but <laughs> well, that doesn't make any difference. It doesn't stop the players who are on the pitch from defending properly. There were still three players. Standing off him when he one of all it needs is one of them to go to him. So, there's obviously some kind of defensive issue. I mean, Man City's probably in a side because it's Man City, but Bournemouth and now this giving away two goal leads is something maybe a psychological. Well, it's interesting you say that because we actually looked in general terms, we've looked better defensively since the Nino's come in. We've looked a lot more organised and, and just there has been a couple of individual errors unfortunately that have led to those goals and I, I'm, I always say we, we look a lot better defensively when Fitz Hall's in the team let's not get away from the fact that how, how well Leicester have done well you've got I mean, a stat haven't you it's, yeah I mean it's a draw but the, the stat is I've seen through Twitter is that Leicester have won 14 points from losing positions this season 10 games they've been behind whereas the whole of last season they won just 16 points from losing positions in 23 games they were behind. It's, it's, it's stats like another, that. I've got another stat for you. I've got another stat. Go on. Last season, Hull City got promoted with 79 points. Leicester are on 67 already. They're only 12 points away from a tally which got a team promoted last season. Well, you, you with said, 16 games to go. You said it last week, Mark. If anyone can throw it away, Leicester can. But surely they won't throw it away now. Well, they're still, this, this, this winning run goes on. And uh, we'll see if it's... Yeah, a, does it? 
Well, this uh, unbeaten run goes yeah. on, sorry. <laughs> sorry. And we'll see if it's still going this time next week. By the way, it's still weird to see Paul Koncheski with hair, isn't it? It is, yes. That's so bizarre. He, he reminds me of uh, uh, one of the characters from Toy Soldiers. I've never seen, seen it. No. <laughs> what, of his big square face? There's like a, a sergeant type character in that film. <laughs> Get it up, get the picture up on, on Twitter, Google, yeah. get it on Google. Uh, okay, Burnley kept the pressure up with a 3-1 win against Millwall. They're now 19 games um, unbeaten at home since last March, a post-war record. Two more from Danny Ings, uh, who just goes on and on and on. Fantastic and and it, oh, absolutely superb, and he, penalty less good, uh, but still. And uh, as we record this, there's a big game going on between Derby and QPR up there as well, and Derby leader goal to nil. John Eustace has got it. John Eustace I'm going to let you in on a, a secret there was a point earlier in the interview uh, with Dance where uh, um, we had to sort of close the mics because Dave was about to go into a bigger round couldn't of help it. John Eustace a wonderful looping header indeed uh, well we can't really talk about this game it's not no. ended it's not ended yet um, and I know there's plenty of other games gonna, going on I was just going to say about Burnley go on as an aside to the action in the post-match interview with Sean Dyche yeah. he took the managerial art of just saying words that don't really mean anything to, to new levels and said we are great as a group and as a collective <laughs> <laughs> um, that, all those um, those PR lessons from the press yeah. team from paying off absolutely uh, we got a bit of, I got a bit of jit for not mentioning Forest in terms of a, an automatic promotion contender last week uh, they did actually drop points at the weekend though uh, they were 1-0 up at Blackpool drew 1-0 Reading lost ground they lost 2-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday um, Wednesday now 11 matches unbeaten and have only lost twice in 14 games since Stuart Gray came in what a turnaround that is exceptional uh, the other um, big sort of game on TV in the championship at the weekend was Yeovil 1 Leeds 2 and obviously Stephen Warnock's ridiculous free kick which just hung in the air and um, deposited itself into and then the acted like he meant it the I wind know, had played well. a significant part in all three goals didn't Absolutely. it this, the corner was astonishing the way it bent back in he, he hit that that was going yeah. way out way over everyone's head and it came right back in McCormack's finished I think Superb. regardless of the wind was absolutely outstanding but that free kick from <laughs> Warnock absolutely the way it just picked up speed towards the end was remarkable when you go to a football match though and the wind's up you just think oh god this yeah. is going to be awful it does have a habit of ruining games yeah. but yeah, when, it when it comes, goes in your favour like that you're yeah. loving it absolutely I was at Swindon versus Shrewsbury a few weeks ago and Swindon's got one end of the ground which is exposed without, without a roof kind of similar to Yeovil and it was awful and it was more the fact that the goalkeepers hadn't realised it was windy as well so when they were going one way both goalkeepers were guilty of doing it just kicking it up in the air and it would land probably around about the 18 yard box line uh, but going back to Leeds uh, I realise that they've just won one game this season where Ross McCormack hasn't scored and now he's getting back into a rich vein of form as well after all the debacle the they've had off the field maybe Ross McCormack won't be there much longer five, what, no they're five points outside the playoffs yeah. it, was crucial, quick, it was crucial for them to keep hold of him quick thing on Cellino if I was running a Fiat 500 in Italy now I've got the chance to run a Ferrari he says about Leeds United now I want to forget about Cagliari uh, Cagliari my heart is with Leeds and apparently he wants to work with uh, Brian McDermott is this just a way of getting him past this fit and proper persons test and then once he's in the door see well, you Brian uh, interesting you bring up the fit and proper persons test because there's been a lot of talk about this and I actually I don't want to stick up for the football league because it is clear that there have been owners who who have who perhaps are not fit and proper. But it's very easy to say how have you let this person through? How have you let that person through? Who are the league to sit down and decide who is a fit and proper person other than looking at criminal records, financial records, records as in well, the, when been in charge Chilino of does have a criminal of, record of, of though, doesn't he? Yeah, fine. And, and that may well be the case that he shouldn't pass the test, but there are other examples where you know, people may not be of the right, you know, just in terms of common sense, may mm. not be the right fit for a club, but they can still pass the test. So it is a bit more difficult than, than just sitting someone down and having a chat with them. You know, it's hard to determine sometimes whether the, what, whether these people's true intentions are going to come to fruition you know down the line. Once he gets in, or if he does get in, he, he then needs to see if Brian McDermott passes the fit and proper sackings test, doesn't he? He certainly does, yeah. <laughs> as, as trialled on this show. Uh, League One, Leighton Orient 1, Peterborough 2. Orient blew the chance to go top because Wolves and Brentford's games were off. And they were 1-0 up with about two minutes to go as well. Um, twice um, in a row now, Orient have lost at the death like that in the last couple of weeks. Peterborough now back into the playoff spots after uh, MK Don. Uh, won 3-0 at Walsall which was uh, one of the shock results Isn't of the weekend McLeod rolling back the years absolutely yeah. 
Um, the, 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 third, the third goal. The third goal, that was the one, yeah. Finish. But there was a red card in that, wasn't there? A bit like in the Reading game, it was quite early on. I think actually mm. it was already 1-0 at that stage. Yeah. Uh, Preston won 2-1 at Tranmere. Joe Garner got two more. And uh, I think Steve Claridge um, or Manish, I can't remember. It was Manish actually on the Football League show, listed their strike force. Kevin Davis, Craig Davis, Paul Gallagher, Ian Hume, Stuart Bevan and Joe Garner goals in that absolutely certainly you'd expect it at league one I mean some of those players have shown flashes at championship level here and there if not consistently obviously Kevin Davis being the standout one who's had a a decent career in the Premier League uh, and even played for England of course but uh, for League One that is outstanding and appeared on this podcast a highlight of his career course, but yeah. having said that they're, you know, they're fourth and 55 points so a long way off the automatic spots and they've got such a rich vein of, uh, mm. of talents up front perhaps they should be doing a bit better uh, Paul Vale 2 Swinning 3 Carl Swinning 2 I was hoping you'd mention it 2-0 yeah. no down and coming up, came back to win 3-2 another Alex Pritchard beauty yeah absolutely no idea where that result came from terrible away form uh, Alex Pritchard's uh, what's a freaking Fourth or fifth or sixth. Got I mean, MK Dons, Rotherham, Carlisle. He's done it against those teams this season. All right into the right into the postage stamp. Absolutely area. super. So excellent. Yeah. Um, what are they uh, going to call the postage when? When like in twenty years' time, when the when the, the Royal Mail and post as we know it is is gone, what are they going to call it? Like the <laughs> the subject. Heading. Tweet the, suggestions, the, please help the, us out. The attachment box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to be. <laughs> uh, but no, Swindon, um, we, we're going under the radar this season. We'll still end up on the way. table. And who knows, we're one game from Wembley now. That was another comeback against, against Peterborough, being 2 0 down and a man down. Yes, um, in the JPT. So, you, yeah. you appear to be the only club that's managed to get Niall Ranger to play well. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And he's still having a few off the field do we, um, problems. Do we know how that fan is, by the way? We've got taken ill midweek, is um, he? I believe um, he, he is still in hospital. I believe okay. that was a very weird scenario. Yeah, for those who didn't watch it, of course, a fan collapsing in the stand. And there was only about three minutes left. I'm sure the referee could have got away of just calling it off there stickler for the rules yeah there probably is an archaic rule which says they had to play it or abandon the entire match let's um, let's talk a bit about this uh, this chap at crew then you're going to help me out and pronounce his name here Dave Uchi Piezu. yes on loan from Watford scored two I think his first ever career goals in a three-all draw at Bradford. He looked good. Crew looked good at the moment. He did, yeah. They've had a little bit of a revival, haven't they? Four wins um, in nine. Give story, themselves a chance. The story about this guy is he's never played for Watford. We signed him on a free transfer in the summer because uh, he was yet to sign a professional contract with Reading, I believe, which is the academy that he came through. Last season in the Reading Academy, he scored something like 20... 20 goals in 20 games or 25 goals in 25 games something like that. it was a, a pretty much a 100% scoring record I I believe and so there's a, certainly a lot of hype about him uh, and a lot of potential there and he's found it difficult to get in opportunities and he's never done who's ever going to get really opportunities in our in our first team this season so it's a perfect move for him to go out and follow in the footsteps of, of, of someone like Brit Sombolonga who did so well going out on loan and you know, unfortunately for us and moved on to Peterborough and is banging them in but <laughs> perhaps next season he could mm. be a real find for us Well just before we go into League 2 a couple of teams really on the slide Shrewsbury 8 defeats and 11 they need a new manager in I think because they're heading towards relegation at the moment yes. Carlisle as well are having a real uh, bad run Can of we talk about Graham Kavanagh's hair? Well, how, how silver it is. It's remarkable. No, not, not that fact. It's okay. seemingly been, been silver for, forever. Paul Kincheski and Graham Kavanagh's hair in it's one like show. completely shaved all over, apart <clears> from <throat> that bit at the front, which is that rock-solid, yes, really yes. hard-gelled bit of like t- spikes right it's at the front. It's the kind of haircut you had when you were like 10 years old. It's amazing. And I want to know what it looks like without with any product in. <laughs> when it comes out of the shower and he just dries it just a bit flapping along so at the front so in a roundabout way you just said you want to be in the shower when Graham Kavan is there that's the twisting my words there <laughs> right let's move I on want, just get him to take a selfie okay is he on Twitter someone tweet him League 2 then um, well we've obviously talked about the uh, the race at the top with Burton a nice bit on the football league show I thought about Scunthorpe and Russ Wilcox Russ Wilcox ridiculous bit when he walked out of the tunnel <laughs> It was like X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> Russ Wilcox. <laughs> um, one old draw against Chesterfield. Both stay first and second. But that's five draws in a row, isn't it? For, yeah, for it is actually. Yeah, but but despite still the fact unbeaten. they're unbeaten, but they are. It's five draws in a row. Is still a lot of points being dropped. Good but point. Uh, they're still up there and they're still looking quite healthy. But that's not a run you want to be on. <laughs> Before you know it, if you do that, you know teams mm. such as Burton, who we've discussed, will be right up with you. Yep. Delightful chip from uh, Scott Hogan for his hat trick goal in uh, Rochdale's win at AFC Wimbledon. Mm. And there was a much needed win for Mansfield at home to Southend. Southend dropping points after a really good run. Uh, but I suppose uh, if you look down the bottom, the two big stories I would say are Wickham 
who have now gone. I said at the top of the show we'd name and shame the team who um, haven't scored a home goal in the league for seven and a half hours. It's Wickham Wanderers. Might Middlesbrough when you mentioned. No, it. it's Wickham yeah. Wanderers. Gareth Ainsworth coming under increasing pressure. They've won one of the last fifteen. Ooh. And they're one place above the relegation zone. Uh, but looking at it from a positive point of view, it could be worse. There could be Northampton uh, losing 2-0 at home to Plymouth on Saturday. And on Tuesday night, this game might well have already been played by the time you hear this. Torquay versus Northampton. Well, we- weather permitting, of course. Yes. Of course. Written in the stars that Northampton will be relegated and Oxford United will be promoted. Yes. And, I, did, uh, I didn't realise how bad... I know how bad they are at the bottom. But their top goal scorer has got two goals. Yeah, Northampton. This is how bad it is at the moment. Ben, the wind scored three at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Ben Trasler on tw- on Twitter when I did check did seem pretty resigned. I think to yeah. the. He's uh, been resigned since about late October. Ever since they went into the bottom two, I think. I suppose we should uh, congratulate Sheffield United. By the way, before we uh, before we go on that win at Fulham in the FA I told Cup. You. Now, technically better than Manchester United, I think. Sort of. <laughs> exactly. It really yeah, worked like that. Yeah. And, a, and a good win in the league as well before uh, the Sheffield United fans complain. We didn't mention them. A 2 0 against Shrewsbury. And Sheffield United play Nottingham Forest this Sunday in the FA Cup fifth round. It's one of two all football league ties the other being Sheffield Wednesday against Charlton on Saturday. So we're going to have two football league sides, at least two, in the, uh, the quarterfinals, which is excellent. I was news. listening to an interview with Johnny Jackson the other day, the Charlton captain. Mm. Obviously, they are in terrible form in the league. Really not going well for them at the moment. But he did seem to be really looking forward. He said the whole squad is really up for 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 the cup run. You know, they can sense that they've got a, a you know a chance to to face a team who are in a similar sort of position to them in the league, despite being in better form in Sheffield Wednesday. So if they can just win that one match, they're in the quarterfinals. And you know, players you know that are playing for chance like Johnny Jackson, you know, probably have never got that far in the FA Cup before, may never again. So it may be going really badly for them in the league but there is something positive for the fans and the players to, mm. to get their teeth into there and Wigan are at Cardiff and Brighton are hosting Hull so those are the other two football league representatives Wigan and Brighton that are left in the FA I think, Cup I think Wigan have got a decent yep. chance Cardiff, mm. Cardiff as we said with Fulham are desperate to stay in the Premier League especially after losing the, the South Wales derby you know, there'll be real pressure on, on Solskjaer to turn it around in the league and, and the FA Cup is a distraction that Maybe in contrast to Charlton, they can certainly do without. So Wigan, good opportunity for them. And mm. I'd say less so Brighton. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they're still well, that, they're capable of, I'd say they're still capable of getting a result. That game is on Monday night next week. And that is when we'll be recording the next show, which will be out next Tuesday. Uh, thank you very much for listening. There's loads of action this week, isn't there? Midweek and um, in the Championship League One and League Two at the weekend. Yeah. And uh, we'll be reviewing all that on the show. I'm currently deciding. I'm not. See, I am. Taking us back in a nice big loop to where we started. We've gone full circle. I'm currently umming and eyeing whether to go to Vicarage Road tomorrow night to see to see Watford against Birmingham. Because you're going to say Prince then for a second. That's it. Well, because I, 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 having scoured oh, right, Twitter, okay. believe that there could well be another show on Tuesday night. So what do I do? Do I buy? Do I go and then risk missing out on him again? Well, maybe Prince can just solve yellow the sol- or purple maybe, is the m- decision I'm faced with. Maybe Prince can just solve everything at once and just play a gig at Vicarage Road. Well, he must be mates of Elton. Yeah, surely. absolutely. We'll get El- we'll get Elton down. We'll have a lovely time. You can tweet us Dad, this week. Dance is a musician. He can play the drums. That's true. We've got a little band going there. Yeah. You can tweet us at Wagyu Podcast. Uh, the blog's on the website, wearegoingup.co.uk. The SoundCloud page is soundcloud.com slash Wagyu Podcast. The full interviews from last week's recruitment special are on there um, uh, if you'd like to check them out unedited. That is it. Thank you, DC. Enjoy Prince if you get to see him. Thanks. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. We will speak to you in seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.